Hey, what's up, y'all? It's Toby D and JRC, or JRC and Toby D, however you want to call it. It is pound for pound, and yes, we are finally together. It's been a minute, and uh, we just want to shout out to all of those, by the way, that helped our last video go up to almost 9,000 views. I've never had that done, even doing it by myself, and my man JR has helped me to accomplish that as we are on this channel now together, officially doing what we do. And we got some new things going. Like I said before, when we solo, we normally are all Falcons. But now that we are together, we are doing what we call our four-down territory, talking about some news around the NFL of our liking. And we will cap it off with dropping F-bombs, Falcons bombs, that is, on you all. Because we know y'all want to hear about them Falcons like we always be doing. So the first thing I want to do is get into um, some things Talk about around the NFC South. There you go. Um, because you brought up some things uh, that could affect two teams' lines on the offense and the defense. And I'll let you go ahead and hook that up, JR. So, for the for the first down of our four-down territory, what we're referring to is uh, the Michael Orr situation that happened this morning uh, where he tweeted out a picture. Didn't didn't have a bunch of like information with it, but the – the picture was like a um, the counter full of pills, and wow. you know it was like symbolizing like this is what we have to deal with as players. Now I don't know if he was trying to make a point towards like needing to to lessen up on the marijuana usage because I know that's big for players saying that they can right. they can use that to you know help ease their you right. know pain and suffering and right or, yeah. or whatnot, which could be true. I don't. I don't have any. I've never done any research on on right, like on the effects and things, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so if he's tweeting out stuff like that, that means you know he's still going through some stuff. You know, right. he's still trying right. to battle his way back. So that could be a you know a big question mark on you know the Carolina Panthers offensive line, which yeah. didn't do a great job last season keeping Cam upright. Cam got tore up big time. <laughs> you know that was one of the the bigger issues. Of you know of their season, you know they couldn't protect Cam, they couldn't keep him upright, and because of all that, his mechanics started going downhill, you know, real right. quick, and his performance wasn't the MVP performance of the year before. Right, not to mention now, I believe if I heard it right, he had already been hit about fifty times going into Week Four against the yeah, Falcons last season. Exactly, that's a lot. That is, that starting is starting from Week One, right? And and as Falcons fans, whether we like the Panthers or not, we can attest to that if you don't have a good offensive line, it yeah. doesn't matter how good yeah. your quarterback is. Yeah, you know this is true. You know, for example, you know Matt Ryan, you know the two thousand thirteen, thirteen, yeah. fourteen, yeah. Duke couldn't breathe, much less throw a pass. <laughs> yeah. Duke says hike, and all of a sudden he's on the ground. I mean, so, you know, you can't play quarterback well from your back. And it's just interesting how uh, Ron Rivera, they tried to downplay it. Mm, of course. But, see, I didn't see that pick, but now with that coming out, there's no more downplaying. No, you can't. It's that's, real now. That's bringing that stuff to the forefront. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. It'll, be, it'll be interesting to see – you know, A, how does Michael Orr, you know, respond to this as far as, like, how does he progress through his injury right. issues? Right. And then also, you know, they signed uh, Ryan Khalil. Right. I think, yeah. You know, the, the brother, brother of, the, yeah. of the center. Yeah. And he mm -hmm. was a turnstile up in Minnesota. Right. You know, he had a good rookie season, but that so far has been his only good season. Right. You haven't really heard much 
about so, anything from him. You know, that, yeah. that's going to be something to watch, uh, you know, from a Falcons, you know, fan standpoint. Yeah. Is, you know, if they can't protect Cam, that's a that's a bonus for us. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I hate to say it, but we're going to feast off of that. Oh, yeah. That That is an issue. Right. Um, because we pretty much feasted off of it last season. Right, exactly. I mean, um, other than that, that, that first down he got on us and, and when he taunted – um, Deion Jones, yeah, which well, was a rookie at the time. Yeah, he uh, paid for that later and he on. he sure did. Two-point conversion. <laughs> he got knocked out. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, man, I mean, and that just brings us right back to the other thing, dealing with the Lions again with the Nick Fairley. Right, Nick Fairley of the Saints. I mean, he has a – I haven't heard exactly what his heart condition is, but there's a heart condition that he has where at least two doctors – have told him he doesn't need to play football anymore. Right, that's serious. He's seeking a third opinion. Exactly. So, I mean, exactly. if you're seeking a third opinion, that means your first two wasn't what you wanted to hear. Right, and if you look around this NFC South, and I was thinking about this the other day, look at what they've done. You got Chris Baker, who was signed with the Washington, from the Washington Redskins right. over to Tampa, what shot me. Right, right. You know what I mean? And him teaming up with Gerald McCoy, and then you got – um, you sitting over there already in in Carolina when you got Kwan Short who got a yeah. big payday, big payday, and uh, I may butcher his name, Starla Tolele. That's pretty good. That's about as close as I can get. I won't even try. And that's a power interior duel over there. And then what the Falcons did now it still remains to be seen if Dante Polk had returned to the six sack season like he had his rookie year, right? But we'll see him teaming up with Grady Jarrett. But now Nick Fairley, when you looking at something that could have been potential, I hate to say this, but him and Sheldon Rankins, yeah, that, that could have been, been dangerous and that, still could depending on right. how his third opinion comes through. And then also it really depends on what he wants to do. You know, we're we're hearing that he's looking for a third opinion. But, I mean, in that situation, you could get a doctor to tell you what you want. Well, pretty much. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So. Yeah, I I will say this regardless if he's a saint or not. I hope he does the right thing for himself. Right, you know, right because you know football is great and all, but the life is a little better. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's just unfortunate if he can't play because it seemed like finally after being drafted high in twenty eleven and arguably was considered to be number one overall. Yeah. Cam Newton. Yep, he was. Um, he was very coming cool. out of college to have your career when you're just really getting started. You know, after a good six point five sack season, may come to an end if this third opinion doesn't come through the way that you want. Exactly. I mean, he got you know drafted by the Lions to play side by side with Indomitian Sue. Right. They kind of blew that thing up because they couldn't pay everybody, and he hadn't necessarily blossomed. Exactly. But then he goes and resurrects his career with the Rams, and yeah. gets a payday from the Saints. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And so, yeah, you you hate to see. You know, that be derailed by, you know, a heart condition, a potential heart condition. But I do hope that he does what's best for him. Yeah, yeah. So let's move into our, uh, into the second down. And uh, the second down is where we're going to examine, something came out earlier about the potential of Derek Carr becoming the first quarterback to get $25 million a year. Woo! Jesus. That's that's some cheddar. <laughs> that's some jack. You know that. Uh, Man. now I'm not gonna sit here and try to debate with you whether he's worth 25 million, but I will tell you that, as we all know, 
quarterbacks demand the highest amount of money. And they're hard to find these right. days. And so if you have one that is somewhat competent, you don't let him go. He's good, man. Right. And, <laughs> you know, perfect example of that is Kirk Cousins. Right. Two years in a row, they franchise tag this man. Mm-hmm. That's guaranteed money. That's a lot of money. That's something that the NFL <laughs> doesn't do. It's fully, fully guaranteed. They'll guarantee you a portion, but not fully guaranteed. But, you know, two years in a row, they're fully guaranteeing, you know, Kirk Cousins a ridiculous amount of money under the franchise tag. And Kirk Cousins is average or below average at best. Top 15, I would right, say. Right, right. Yeah. Like, he's somewhere, in, you know, in the middle of the pack. Yeah. You know, he's not he's not going to lose you a lot of games, but he's not going to win you a ton of games. You know, yeah. he's not the piece. He's a piece, you know. So, if you're using that as kind of your baseline – Derek Carr is definitely worth money. Right, right. But that's going to make Derek Carr be paid more than Tom Brady. Yeah. More than Drew Brees. Yeah. More than Aaron Rodgers. Triple, yeah. And more than Matt Ryan. Quadruple, yeah. Right. So, (laughs) what a lot of people would consider to be like, you know, the top echelon quarterbacks. Now, for a lot of people, Ryan just kind of stepped into that. I felt like he's been there longer than most people felt like he's been there. Right. But... You know, you got Derek Carr getting paid way more than the the top five guys in this league. Yeah, yeah. Now, who's to say if if he not if he doesn't break his leg last year, that it may have been the Falcons versus the Raiders. Yeah, and it it, it could have been. And you know, what so, a storyline that would have been. Out right. Tampa won against the Raiders. Exactly. Oh, uh, so that that could have been a storyline. Unfortunately, that did not happen. Right, right. <laughs> but so. I mean, with that being said, you know, you got Derek Carr potentially getting $25 million. Ooh, You got Aaron Rodgers has been chirping for a while for a new contract. Yeah, but he says that he's not worried about it. He's going to continue on with business, but we know he's getting paid. Oh, well, yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, he's going to get paid. How old is he, by the way? He's got to be 33 or something. Like, just yeah. a little bit older than he's Matt a little, Ryan. He's a little bit older than Matt Ryan, you know, because if Matt Ryan turned, what, 30, 32 or something 32 like, yeah. 33. Yeah. So Rodgers got to be getting closer to that 35 range. Right. So you got to figure this will probably be Rodgers' like last real big, I'm going to cash in this yeah. time around. And considering the lack of quarterbacks out there, of right. quality, yeah, I mean, <laughs> he's getting Green, paid. Right. Green Bay's going. So, yeah, I mean, Derek Carr may get $25 million a year this year, but if, as soon as they decide to sign Aaron Rodgers again – He's gonna make more money than right. than Derek Carr, and then I would almost like go on a limb and say, either if it's not this year, the next year when they extend Matt Ryan, he's gonna get he's gonna get more paid. than twenty five. Especially if they made the Super Bowl again, oh, which yeah. I'm going on record right now. You know I'm saying I believe they are gonna make there you go. it again. There We're you gonna go. talk about that during the F bombs. <laughs> just watch and see. So, so that 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 leaves us there, you know, with the uh, you know Derek Carr. Uh, story. So going moving into the third down, we got a we got a topic that kind of irks me just a little bit. <laughs> with uh, I, I, I'm I'm of two minds of this topic, I guess. It's veterans skipping minicamp, okay? Or the voluntary minicamp, okay? Now my two minds says if it's voluntary, then we can't get mad at him for skipping it, right? We always end up getting mad at him for skipping it. So, if it's not voluntary, if voluntary is in air quotes, then we need to get rid of the word voluntary and just go ahead and make it mandatory minicamp. 
Right. If you're going to get mad at these guys for skipping what is considered voluntary, then take the word voluntary out of it. Right. I mean, well, you know, as I heard once before, there's an unwritten rule saying that despite it being voluntary, coaches still expect all players to turn out. Right. Now, and that's true. That That is true. If, and players, the ones who are disgruntled, use that time as their way or their only way of protest saying, I want a new contract. Right. So this brings us to the great. The greatest. The, the best ever. Former LSU Tiger. <laughs> Odell Beckham Jr. Woo! Or OBJ as they like to yeah, call him, Mr. right? Mr. Boat Trip. <laughs> Mr. Boat Trip. Mr. Mr. Boat Trip. Okay. Like to take pictures in all kinds of weird ways. I won't even get into them, but people know well, what I'm talking about. But hold on, no, we got to get into it for a minute because oh lord, you, you a grown man. Oh lord, grown don't man, do don't do it, Jr. Don't do it. You going to no no shirts? You did it. All your boys <laughs> and no chicks in bikinis to balance it. Oh my goodness, you did it. I'm just saying, it ain't right. See, I hope Look. nobody really hears this because I'm tell you why. Because then they'll bring up. Our guy, who's a rookie this year, who was also in some of those pictures, it's the Duke Riley. <laughs> Y'all to hear that? Y'all to hear that now? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we'll move on from that. But okay, so so voluntary minicamp is is a time for veterans to safely protest that they want a new deal, right? And then that's essentially what OBJ is doing by skipping. You know, and, and I look, I guess in a way I can't blame them. When you sign a, a merchandise deal or, you know, like a sponsor deal the with biggest, Nike. The biggest I've heard. The biggest that's ever. The biggest ever in, in NFL, yeah. period. And that deal is paying you more than the team is paying you. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's probably an issue. Yeah. But dude acts like he's Jerry Rice reincarnate. <laughs> or at least the media tries to act like he's Jerry Rice reincarnate. It's only one difference. He, he ain't Jerry Rice. Jerry got Jerry yeah. got bling bling on his fingers. And and OBJ's got a boat. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure Jerry's probably got four boats. But well, yeah, four or five. I boats. mean, so when you when you pull a stunt like let, let's just go ahead and call it the you got you got the boat excursion mm-hmm. with all your boys. Yeah. You got right before the playoffs. Right before the add. playoffs, but which is not great timing. Yeah, I'm not saying that you can't go party, and I'm sure players go party all the time. Mm-hmm. But in the day and age of social media and cameras and everything else, why are you taking pictures of yourself partying? And can you not party in New York? Uh, I'm well, pretty sure a lot of, of people party in New York. Well, I, I mean, mean, I know they gotta have shirts off, man. Yeah, I was about to say, I guess you can't take Probably your shirt off. Well, oh, okay. it's warm in New York at, at times, though. Well, at times, yeah. I mean, uh, anyway, so we're getting on a tangent here, but <laughs> so yeah. you you got that, you got the I'm gonna go attack a kicking net and propose to a kicking net <laughs> and almost get knocked out. By and one. almost get knocked out by a kicking net. <laughs> then you got the Josh Norman thing. Oh yeah, you know. Which is a whole nother bag of crazy. Yeah, he run around with a 12-gauge, which is his mouthpiece. Right, right. So you're going to do all that, and then to me, you're going to have the gall to then say, you need to go ahead and give me a new contract? Right. I mean, I understand you're in the third year of your rookie deal, which is when you can start 
negotiating a new contract. Right. But I think if I'm OBJ and I have been a little crazy, I, I might want to keep a low profile before I start asking for more money. Helping your team win a playoff game would be nice. I mean, that to me would go a long way at a negotiation table. I mean, Julio, um, <coughs> the Jet does it. I mean, Jet Jones. On, yeah. on a broken foot. Oh, oh, yeah, and breaking records yeah. with a broken foot. Right. <laughs> but so, yet everyone likes to say that OBJ is, is better, though. Oh, well, yeah. I'm, I mean, <sighs> because he got more touchdowns. Although overall touchdowns, he's five behind Julio. Right. And and Julio, I don't know what it is, whether it's been the offensive coordinators we've had or the, I don't know if it was a Matt Ryan thing for a while, but Julio, for whatever reason, isn't as big of a red zone target, which is something that we could talk about in the F-bomb, which is yeah. Sarkeesian making that statement. Yeah, we could definitely know. get in that because I have my theory there you go. on okay. that. All right, so we'll we'll hold that till till then. <laughs> yeah. So, not only do you got OBJ holding out, from what I understand, you got Olivier Vernon of the Giants deciding he doesn't have to go to voluntary minicamp after the Giants backed up the Brinks truck and dumped it on Pay his front. Yeah, so uh, I don't know. That's just I mean, something that that annoys me, and I guess that makes me grateful for the team and the culture that we have. Man, what you talking about? Because you know Julio Jones recovering from you know foot surgery is out there on the practice field doing his recovery yeah. stuff, and then when he's not doing his recovery stuff, he's coaching up the other receivers exactly. and, and exactly. being that. You know, being that role model. Exactly. You know, even as far as, as talking with Devontae about his contract situation. Exactly, because he's been there in 2015. Right. right. You know, so. Yeah. You know, I, I guess that just makes me even appreciate our guys even more. Yeah. And, and our culture even more. So, okay. So, that, that so now we're moving into the, to the fourth down. And uh, the fourth down was... The what was you know what I thought I was gonna forget. How'd you let me forget, Tommy? I, I forgot too, man. I, I, mean, I remember what it was. It was the the Jets. Are the are the Jets trying to tank before the season even starts? You know what? That's why we forgot. Cause it's the, the Jets. Jets forgot they were a team, and they just dumping everybody that they can get off. Right. Of <laughs> I mean, in, in one fell swoop, you're saving what sixty five million dollars. You're basically I mean? telling your fan base that we're going to hit, yeah, going to go ahead and throw. Might as well pack it in for the yeah. season. Don't even go. Get ready for the draft already before then, the season starts. You know, you're floating around <laughs> trying to trade Decker. You drop uh, the linebacker Davis, who's been a Brandon a Marshall solid. didn't want to come back. Right, Brandon. You know, they, <laughs> they were going to get rid of him anyway, yeah. so it doesn't matter. So they they traded Brandon Marshall. No, Brandon Marshall left. He decided that he didn't even want to come back. That's what it was. was. Uh, I think um, the linebacker, David Harris, I think that's his name, David Harris. Harris. They they released him. Now, he was a pretty good linebacker. He was a 30-year-old solid linebacker. Yeah, especially on the Rex Ryan. Right. I mean, if I'm not familiar with who they drafted, but I don't believe they drafted a linebacker that I can think of. They did. 
Was it was it high in the game? Yeah, it was a guy that we wanted. And if anyone can remember who that guy is, because right now I'm drawing a blank on that. Big time. Comment it, please. Yeah, I was about to say, if you can comment down below, that would be great. Because he has not, the guy that they drafted so far has not shined yet. Right, that was... um. And I cannot remember his name. Ohio State. Darren Lee. Yep, that's it. Okay, you that's don't have it. to comment no more. Never mind, you don't have to comment. <laughs> we got it. <laughs> yeah, Darren Lee, right. He has yep. He hasn't yep. really panned out so far. But anyway, so, yeah, I mean, that, that's just something you don't see NFL teams doing. Yeah. You know, especially, yeah. Already the, you know, post-June 1. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. you, you see that happen, you know, when it gets closer to free agency because they're going to make a move and do something else. You know, and, and grab up another player or clear up scap, cap space because they got to, you know, they want to bring in somebody or whatever. So it's just it's just really odd timing. What do you think happened? Now, this is a team that once wanted to get Dan Quinn. Right. But Woody Johnson couldn't wait on Dan like the Falcons decided they wanted to do. Yeah, so they hired Todd Bowles. Whom we were once considering. Right. And I think, I mean, Todd Bowles so far has done a decent job with what he's had, which he ain't had a quarterback. But he came there with a top-shelf defense. True. That is true. I mean, huh. Somewhere wrong. Something is. I don't know. Okay, so Tom Bowles has got a. He's got more of an attacking style defense, right? Like he he sends a lot of like I thought five something. six man pressures, right? Like there. more blitzes than yeah. anybody else. Yeah. And and so with having more blitzes, you know, sending more blitzes than anybody else, you really predicated on your cornerbacks at that point. Right. They got to hold up. Right. In Arizona, you have Patrick Peterson, and you know uh, the backfield of. Of Cromartie, yeah, yeah. Patrick Peterson, mm-hmm. you know Tony Jefferson, and then I don't know if he was there. You know when, more of them than I do. <laughs> I don't know if he was there when uh, Tyron Matthew was drafted or not, but yeah, I think he was. I think he was. I think he was. Season. Yeah. And so, but heck, man, they've dumped up. They they cut Daryl Revis. Yeah. Which I mean, he he needed to be well. Uh, you not know, only his off the field <clears throat> stuff that kind of popped up, but the fact that. He did not well, look like Which is ironic Reeves. that that would pop up. But, right. you know, hey, we'll leave that alone. Yeah, you yeah, know? we won't touch that one. But, uh, <laughs> uh, they let go, they either cut or let go of Buster Screen. Right. And then Calvin Pryor. They traded Calvin Pryor. Yeah, they, yeah, they the sent him over to the Browns. And the Browns, man, sneakingly, they, is building something over there. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know how it's going to play out because we know the no, Browns' history. Right. But, but I, I mean, I got faith in Hugh Jackson. Yeah, Hugh Jackson might sense, change that. You know, he's a good coach. Yeah, he is. I mean, you saw what he, he did with Andy Dalton and, you know, A.J. Green and all them. He, yeah. he kind of made them what they were because you've seen what he's been, what they've been under Gunther, which right. hasn't been nearly as good as what Hugh Jackson had. And you saw what Hugh Jackson did in the, uh, before, you know, years ago with the Raiders. Right. Before Al Davis was crazy and fired Hugh Jackson after an eight and eight season when you haven't done anything, but yeah. anyway, hey. that's the Raiders of then. Maybe the Raiders of now are better. I yeah, mean, they're better. They're yeah. better, man. I mean, so, under Jack Del Rio, they they are better. Right. So you got a, uh, you know, I, I'm just the Jets have me scratching my head because that's not something you normally see an NFL team do. Right. This late in the season, you know, right. this late in the off season. You know, so close to, you know, training camp starts. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. So, but that wraps up our four down. So now we'll move into the, the segment that you've all been waiting for. And we'll uh, we'll time stamp this for the people <laughs> who wanted to, to get, not have to worry about the other part of it. 
But uh, that's the F bomb. Yeah, we're moving to the, the F bomb segment. <laughs> and we'll start out with uh, a few things that have come out this afternoon. I think we should lead off with the the biggest news, so to speak, is the the Vic and Roddy yes situation. Yes, and it, it it is only right to do it exactly like that. This is a continuation of what went down in this fiery Georgia Dome on the last game of the season where we was whipping up on them New Orleans Saints mm-hmm. um, that we honored both those guys riding in on the same vehicle in the Georgia Dome, Roddy White, and 84, Mike. and Mike Vick, number seven. Yep. So how do you feel, but like, like I guess the, the big like discussion point of this is not that they're, they're having a ceremony to you know honor them as – you know, Falcons retiring. But they didn't do the thing that normal teams do, which is sign them to a one-day contract. Right, right. I wonder why that is. I wonder if it has a lot to do with how Roddy kind of left and then some of the way Roddy put the you know coaching staff on blast a little bit after he left. Could be. And then the lightning rod that is still to this day, you know, Michael Vick. Right. You know, in a lot of ways, you know, Vic put Atlanta on the map as far as oh, yeah. not being yeah. a a joke, you know, in the yeah. NFL world. You know, but you had the, you know, the season of him breaking his leg. Yeah. And then followed up with the dog fighting stuff. Yeah. Two and, rough ones. Right. And that left a, a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. Yeah. But then you had the other side of the coin where the people who – became Falcons fans because of Vic or finally had an, felt like they had an identity with the team because of Vic. Right. You know, like Vic signaled a new era of the Falcons. Yeah. yeah. Like something that you could be excited about. You yeah. know, so you have those fans who still to this day wear number seven to the Georgia Dome on Sunday. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And there, when when Ryan was having his little rough patch, was screaming from the rooftops that we needed to resign right. Michael Vick. <laughs> right, right. Even though right. Vick didn't really do much once he came back into the league. And I'm glad you said something I'm, just a few minutes ago about Vick representing like the new era, a turnaround for the Falcons. Yeah. Isn't it kind of always odd how that gets ripped from us when we had Deion Sanders? Basically built that dome, and he he, he right. lets you know that. Right, well, yeah. He, yeah, doesn't, yeah. He, doesn't hide he, he doesn't hide that. No. Um, no. And we let him walk out. And you can see Atlanta coming together, all the different um, cultures, mm-hmm. the rap community, and as Julio Jones is looking like right. he's becoming that guy. Right, right. Um, and hopefully that doesn't happen to us again now, because Julio Jones truly to me is now looking like he's, Continuing off from where Deion Sanders and Vic left off. Oh yeah, and I I think you have the biggest difference between then and now is the ownership. Right. Now, now I'll go on record as saying that you know back in you know before Vic and all that, uh, you know I didn't really follow any sports or whatever, so I, I don't know exactly what the culture was. But in talking to other Falcons fans. You know, be it my my best friend who was on with me right. uh, last week, um, and things like that. The Rankins weren't a very good ownership. Right. No, they didn't <laughs> seem like they cared. No, 
you know, about the the, the team itself. It was a more of a uh, a dollar sign in a ledger book, yeah, versus something that they were passionate about. Which is cool if you like Arthur Blank and you know how to properly build that. Well, see, but Arthur Blank, to me, in my opinion, he he melted or merges both styles. Exactly. He has exactly. the business sense and the passion. Exactly. I mean, because uh, I don't, I can't remember the color scheme. But before Blank got there, the Georgia Dome wasn't red and black. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like green and pink, and <laughs> and from what I understand, they didn't. They sold other teams' gear at the Georgia Dome. Wow. See, yeah, I had never heard it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and this you got was me there. right. And so when when Blank came in and bought the team, you know, he started that culture change. Right. He started that shift of this is our house. You know, this is our team. You know, paid, uh, you know, had the, you know, however he got the money. I don't, like I said, I wasn't paying attention then. But changed the color scheme of the Georgia Dome to be red and black. Yeah. And stopped selling anything that wasn't Falcons gear. Now, can you imagine going to the Georgia Dome on a Sunday when we're playing the Saints and being able to buy a Saints t-shirt? I don't want to imagine it. Right, but that's what was happening. <laughs> You know, that's what was yeah, happening. Yeah, I don't want to imagine that, right. dude. And so, with with that being said, you know, with the, with the Roddy and the Vic thing, you now have a an owner who cares. Exactly. I mean, when Vic broke his leg, Arthur pushed him out on the field in a wheelchair. Yep, sure Arthur did. did. I sure did. Not some staff person, not some... I mean, Arthur could have pointed at... Thousands of different people. And that goes to show you the relationship that right. they had. And so, to me, if somebody is that passionate and then Vic makes the mistake that he made. Right. I, Me as a person, I don't know if I could, could fully forgive somebody. Yeah. But I'm a petty person in that sense. Yeah. You know, I'm a... <laughs> yeah, I hold I a grudge, you I know feel. what I'm saying? I and so... You know, I, I think I think it's good on blank to see that that's something that the fans want. Right, right. Because a lot of fans still very much identify with you know Michael Vick and the Michael Vick right. experience, and and you know if you listen to any of the sports talk stations around here, you know there isn't too many times that goes by that Vick isn't brought up still. Yeah. So yeah. he's still an important part to this team, and with that being said, he does need to retire as a Falcon. Yeah, he does, man. I mean, it really didn't bother me. I really hated the situation about the dogs. Uh, You know, but the way I look at it, man, everybody, they make mistakes sometimes even bigger than that. And um, you just got to learn how to rebound from them. And you're going to have to deal with some persecution from people because of whatever you do. If somebody knows you and you're, you're normally not a person known for doing certain things or you've been doing those things and they've been kept secret for so long and finally they come out into the forefront, then you got to be ready for whatever comes. Exactly. And he's, I think he's handled that very well. He has done a very, a very good job. He is a very much a symbol of he did the crime, yeah. he did his time, yeah. and he came out a better person. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. You know, and, and that is encouraging to see. I always use a metric of how you can tell if somebody's a good person or a bad person is not necessarily by their day-to-day life, but how they rebound 
from a mistake. Right, exactly. A bad person tends to blame other people. Mm-hmm. A good person tends to take the responsibility on yeah. themselves and, and change. Yes. And so I, I I don't view Michael Vick in any other way than a good person. Yeah. You know, he made, he made a bad mistake, but he paid his dues for that mistake. Yes, he did. And with yes, that being said, I think he should retire as a Falcon. Now, if it's Arthur's prerogative not to have them sign a one-day contract, because he come out and said that he didn't feel like he need, they needed to sign a one-day right, contract. Right, just to be part of the Falcons family. They're, they're they part are. of the, you know, the Falcons yeah. family. Yep. And so, if, if that's the way Arthur Blank feels, I think if somebody tries to make a big deal that they didn't sign a one-day contract, right. they have missed the point. Yeah, they missed the point. You know, they missed the point. So, uh, you know, at least in my opinion. And, and one day that will come. You yeah. know, one day that will come. Now, I do believe now, however, that White may get his jersey up in the Raptors before so. Vic. I um, think so. Because of the position he is in. And how crazy is that? I, I know Vic probably never really expressed it, but Roddy White was not a fan favorite at first when he got here as a Falcon. Be, be honest now. He he was a guy that he would drop just about everything he he tried to catch, and all of a sudden he turns it around, man. And and to see him from 2007 up to the time that he retired to do what he did, three different quarterbacks, you get your first thousand yard season. Now yep. Joe Horn helped him out in that regard. Right, that was that was a guy I was trying to remember. I knew. Because you got to remember, that's this is really before I started, you know, paying attention. Right. You know, um, so my my memory of Roddy White is the the post Matt Ryan. Yeah, you, you, you caught him on the good day. Right, I caught him on the good day. <laughs> but I remember my buddy telling me about, you know, we signed this this wide receiver who really helped, you know, Roddy White. And that's how, that was Joe Horn. Yeah, and he came here based on Vic being here. Right. That was the That was the drawing board right there and unfortunately that didn't happen but he didn't waste any moments that he had with us and he was able to instill a lot of his you know uh teachings into Roddy White who then passed it on to Julio Jones that's what I was going to say yeah that was the correlation I was fixing yeah. to bring up is that you know when when Jones first got here you know you had Roddy White as the number one and Jones as the number two right and I wonder how that would have went had Joe had they not signed Joe Horn because that what probably the 2012-2013 season mm-hmm. it kind of became a 1A 1B 1B right right and then it's flipped yep. where you know Julio was one and Roddy was two right and as outspoken as Roddy has always been you know if you follow him on social media you know that he don't hold back no you never all. once heard him gripe or complain. Never once. He recognized talent when yep. it was there. And, and he propped him up. And I think you what know? made that even more acceptable was because Julio did not have a diva mindset. And right. And still doesn't. It still doesn't. And you know, so that's that's a case where that, that Falcon filter that got put in place yeah. after the Vic type thing happened actually helped us. Actually, you know, became a boon a lot of times yeah. you know for a while everybody was griping because all we were doing was signing and drafting choir boys yeah you know you didn't have that that edge that people were wanting that that you know grit so to speak right right you know that and but julio 
has that grit, has that mindset, mm-hmm. but isn't a diva, isn't a distraction. None of that. You know, which can't be said for other wide receivers mm-hmm. who are amazing well, and great uh, up well. in New York. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so, the next thing is that you and I have heard today was finally they've come up with a date where they are going to blow the dome up. Yep, they're going to implode the dome. The date is set for November 20th. Yeah, during the season. Yeah, like the Monday before Thanksgiving. That's <laughs> that's the most random day that I've... That's, that's I mean, it's like somebody, okay, I, I can see it now. They got a calendar up on the dartboard. It's one of those full calendars yeah. that shows you all the all the months. They just close eyes and threw it. <laughs> threw it. November 20th, that's what it's going to be. <laughs> I, Blow it up. But I guess in a lot of ways that's a good sign for the state of the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Right. Because it was supposed to have been imploded in the spring. Yep, it was. And so they put that on hold and stopped demolishing it. Yeah. Like, and maybe that's why the November 20th is there. Now I'm thinking about it. Uh, you know, a little behind the curtain, I work for a construction company. Okay. You know, so if they can, probably can't just blow the dome. Right. Okay. You know, there's probably a lot more of, you know, taking the seats out, taking the concessions down, taking the field up. Yeah. There's probably a lot of things that they have to do before they can, you know, push in the, the Looney Tunes, TNT right. stick. And, and, and yeah. You know, so, yeah. so that may be how they come up with that date now that I stop and think about it for a minute. But anyway, what I was saying before is that, you know, that shows a, that shows a confidence in the, you know, construction process, you know, in, of the, uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium. The roof is closing now. Right. right. <laughs> well, I'll give uh, I'll give some of you folks and my partner here a little a little insight. Okay, that uh, like I said before, I work for a construction company. Uh, we did some work down at the Brave Stadium. We also did work at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Okay. Uh, obviously, we didn't get it, or I would have been a lot more ecstatic than I am. <laughs> but come to find out, that's been a really hard job. Because that building is a building type that has never been done before. Right. And when they engineered that roof, they didn't engineer it right. Okay. You know, so uh, they actually pulled in extra steel companies down there mm. to work on that structure. Gotcha. And, and did almost around the clock kind of, you know, work on that. So, you know, that was a... Uh, that that engineering design that has never, like I said, had never been done before. So when you're doing something that has never been done, you don't know the problems that are going to pop up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You don't. You so don't. it didn't get necessarily engineered right to begin with. They have since fixed those problems since the yeah. roof is closed. Woo! <laughs> right. Right. Moving in the in the right yeah. direction. Yeah. And as then far we as, get that that third preseason game in there. Which yes, I don't know if I'm going to be able to attend. But hey, if somebody's willing to give us a ticket for me yeah. and Jr., you hey. know what I mean? Hey, just gonna throw that out there. You know, <laughs> drop a little suggestion for you. A little subliminal message in here. <laughs> tickets. Tickets. Yeah. But uh, so I guess the the next thing you know on the the proverbial list. Is we're in OTAs. Yeah, we've uh, we finished up the rookie camp. Yeah, uh, we're we're finishing up the voluntary o- OTA process. Yeah, today finished that. Yeah, up. that finished yep. up today. Um, when does mandatory starts next week? Right, next week on the uh, thirteenth. Okay, all right. So the mandatory yeah. starts next week. 
some of the things that you know you might want to keep an eye on when you're checking you know your Twitter verses and and all your other you know outlets is you know keep an eye on that right guard battle. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, as it's gone through the normal OTAs, um, I think it's been Ben Garland. Yeah, and and, and, and I heard uh, I believe uh, Chris Morgan, the offensive line coach. Um, had some rave reviews about the intelligence of Ben Garland because he's played both sides of the line. Right. So, and uh, he's mentioned how intense those conversations have been with him and Alex Mack and the other guys in there. Right. So this this could be you know this could be Ben Garland's job to lose. It could be. It could. Yeah. So that that's one thing to you know to kind of keep an eye on you know to. Another thing that I, I I saw that caught my attention, that really kind of had me scratching my head a little bit, is I saw a report that they've had Brian Hill returning kicks. Yeah, uh, Keith Armstrong has said that he's going to give him a shot there because he loves the hunger that he brings to the table. Uh, he kind of reminds him of uh, one of the the linebacker that we had here. Uh, my mind is drawing a blank. Oh. I might have drawn a blank right now. And y'all can shoot me for this because I uh King Dent. King ah, Dent. Okay, good. King Dent. All right. All right. Take the bullets back. Take put take them, the bullets out. Put the gun down. <laughs> back on the table. Okay. Yeah, uh, uh King Dent, he reminds him of his hunger, especially on special teams. And all the rookies, because Dan has made it clear. You wanna make this team? Special teams oh, yeah. is how you're going to do it. Exactly. And I think Keith Armstrong right now is smiling because this could be the best group that he would, has probably seen. Uh, See, but but I wonder with Brian Hill, you know, from watching his tapes doing those uh, draft breakdowns, Brian Hill is more of a power runner, not necessarily a speed runner. Well, I'm glad you mentioned it. Yeah, because wouldn't you want speed coming out? Yeah. Like, like that we had a... Uh, Devin Fuller, yeah, who we drafted last year. Mm-hmm. Granny, you know, he had himself hurt, got found winding up on IR last year. Mm-hmm. But I mean, he's back. Wouldn't you want to give him a shot? Well, I mean, I'm glad you mentioned that because uh, Steve Sarkeesian spoke a little bit about that. Okay, and Brian Hill might serve a role in that fourth quarter. As wearing the defense down right. and icing that clock out. Now that sounds interesting, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. Sounds like man, <laughs> sounds like Dan Quinn might have might have learned something from a, from, a, from a game that shall not be mentioned. Exactly, know. exactly. I mean, it's not like, and it's not like the Super Bowl was the first time that that popped up. You know, I did a video earlier this week about a Super Bowl hangover, right? You know, and you know, talking about you know the Chiefs or the the Chiefs loss and the. Lost against the Chargers, right? And, you know, and it's it was a tendency of of Shanahan's to abandon the run late in the game, right? Even if we were up, mm-hmm. like starting almost like almost like somebody smelling blood. Does that make sense? Yeah, like, yeah. Like it a does. shark smelling blood and just yeah. start attacking. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes you can get get yourself in trouble. Yeah, because sometimes that shark don't realize I got something in my hand you can't right. see. Right. I got a, I got a stun gun or yeah. something that you ain't got. And New know? England had it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they stuck us with they, it. <laughs> yeah, a few times. But, yeah. But I'm glad to see our coaches are learning from that situation. Well, the beautiful thing about Dan is he came in knowing that he has that freedom of being able to go through trial and error. 
Right. And most coaches don't have that ability to be able to do that. Now, he, he knows as a coach common sense. Oh, but yeah. he always preaches looking for doing it differently. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think he wants to try it differently first and then come back to the coach sense if right. it differently doesn't work. Right. Because, I mean, the kind of like what we were talking about before with the design of the dome, you right. don't know what problems you're going to have exactly until you try something you hadn't tried. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, and that, and that I think that, that the whole experience only serves to further grow, Yeah, you know, our team as a whole, really. So, okay, so you got you got OTAs. I'm trying to think of some of the more interesting things that came out. I mean, we heard from uh, Julio Jones. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Speaking on, you know, the E, almost throwing shade yeah. in the most, like, yeah. read between the lines kind yeah, of way. exactly. You know, saying how it was much easier to – it felt good to be able to talk. Right to your, you know, offensive coordinator, coordinator that listens right. to you and right. your ideas, right? And quote unquote, not set in his ways. Oh, um, Sounds like somebody. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, all, all those things that were coming out, man. It was like it was so much more of what was not said than what was yeah. said. Yeah, yeah, it was. And and I think the things that it that was implied make me feel real good about this, you know, shift going forward. A much smoother transition, yeah. mm-hmm. and because you know, I likened it too in the video I did the other day. Which I'm gonna go ahead on record. Yes, I forgot to mention Alex Mack. <laughs> I'm sorry that I forgot to mention Alex Mack being a very key part in the reason why Matt Ryan had performed better. Because you know the guy could get him the ball right in a normal <laughs> hiking position, not bowling it back to him. Hey, embrace the suck, own it, <laughs> own it. Look, you gotta hey, own it. It's, it's tell the truth Friday. <laughs> I missed it. I'm sorry. I was trying to get a point across, and I missed that particular oh, thing. That's anyway, funny. but we got to get to the defense, okay? Because that's what people ask for us. To, to do to talk about and, and we've been it's a lot so much to talk about it is and I apologize to the guy who asked us about the defense but we're going to talk about it and that's why we're going to have time stamps so when we look when you look <laughs> in the description I'll have it labeled and everything where you can go and hit the time stamp to get straight to what it is you want and let's talk about the defense let's let's, let's talk about Don Terry Poe and the weight I, from what I understand he's already come in under yeah, what he what what they set for him, and and he's supposed to do from what I hear on ninety two nine the game put him up. See, Duke said the thirteenth is his first weigh in. Okay, so that that'll be a you know because uh, who was it? Von McClure said when he passed him that he didn't look like a three hundred forty six pound man. No, but he was three forty instead of three forty six, like many of us thought when he yeah. signed the contract with the Right, Packers. true. So he's supposed to be what in the, like the three thirties. Three thirty. Okay. All right, all right. He's going to play I, I somewhere think, between three thirty and three thirty-five. I think so, and and that's a good, you know, weight for somebody, right? You know, with his, you know, his athleticism, size, and right, size, and yeah. his, his skill set. Yeah. And <laughs> how about the comments of of already feeling like Dan Quinn is bringing that pass rush out in? Yeah, him? man. Yeah, and I think he has it because of his athleticism. Right. Yeah. You know, we have a very you know attacking style. Yeah. Dan Quinn likes that. That you know, violent hands, right. and he already has that naturally. It's just now learning the technique side of it and when to use it. And I'm gonna tell you, Brian Young is gonna help both him and Grady Jarrett learn how to beat double blocks. Now, okay, 
remind me because I don't have the knowledge of Brian Young was a defensive tackle, correct? Yes. Now I know that in his career at the defensive tackle position, mm-hmm. he had ninety eight sacks. Well. Actually, reverse that, 89. 89 sacks. Yeah. I'm sorry, I had it backwards. So it's 89 yeah. sacks. Which is great for an interior lineman. Right. On, yeah. And so you have somebody with that interior line experience like that coming in and working with, you know, all these, you know, DN, D-tackle guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got two true D-tackle guys yep. in Poe and Jared. Yep. Then you have... The whole group of hybrid def- defensive yep. tackle guys. Derek Shelby. Yeah, Shelby, Upshaw. Cordy Upshaw. Crawford. Mm-hmm. And uh, Claiborne. Yeah. <laughs> now, I mean, I think Claiborne needs to be on the edge. Yeah. But they've talked about in nickel kicking him in as well. So. He could do it, but I think, look, no disrespect to Brian Cox, I just don't think Brian could really get it out of him to do it right. um, that first year when he tried it. Yeah. Um, but you know, we we won't go. I won't go too much into that and about Brian Cox. Cause I do have my theory on why he was actually let go, other than the theory that he came up with. Yeah, but uh, we'll we'll let that go right now. Weak weak theory. Yeah. <laughs> weak. But I'm gonna tell you something about Brian Young that I'm already liking. It's the second picture that I've seen him running and leading the guys out. And he just did a picture yesterday at the OTAs where he's in there with the guys. And I call them guys my 90s club. Okay. Because okay. all of them have number nine, in the 90s right, okay. on their jersey. And those some of the guys you mentioned, Jack Crawford, Grady Jarrett, Derrick Shelby. Um, now, of course, Courtney Upshaw was not in there. But um, Don Terry Poe, and I didn't know who the other guy was. Um, but... If you get a chance to look at that picture, then maybe you can figure it out. But I think those guys are going to be dangerous, man, especially against that run. I don't think teams are going to really be able to run on us, man, I mean, you you got cloggers in the middle. Yeah. You know, and then you got speed on the outside. Yes. With, you know, Tack and Vic. And then that's not even mentioned in the linebackers, my God. Right. The seek and destroy linebackers that we have. Gonna start calling him homing missiles. Yeah, man. Because I mean, with and you see that that comment that uh, Devondre Campbell talked about. Talking about Dude Riley is is miles. He feels miles ahead of where, where him and Jones were. Yeah, and that's if, saying a lot. If he's miles ahead of where they were, yeah. Oh, dude, it's crazy, dude. We are, we're gonna have probably one of the most talented and definitely the youngest, you know, yeah. core linebacking group. Going forward for a while. If this defense is not top 10, <laughs> I would be disappointed. Yeah, I'm just going to be, be honest with you. I, I feel like you have a defensive coordinator that is not shy from the camera. Right. And he, right. he doesn't run from speaking no. in the camera. Mm-hmm. And it looks like Brian Young is the same way. Right. And Brian Cox never was that guy. No. He was not going in front of the cameras if he did not have to. Yeah, I'm about to say, unless you cornered him. Like, the only time you really heard from Brian Cox was at training camp. Right. You know, and that was like one of the – I never really did get a great vibe off of off of Cox. And it may be more to do with the fact that, that he didn't ever get in front of the camera. Right. So, you didn't really hear from Cox until he was answering for why his guys didn't do great. But the type of defense that you want, you need your coordinators to be able to – 
show that confidence. Oh, yeah. Especially getting in front of the camera. Mm -hmm. Because you know what that does for your defense? Oh. That breeds confidence in them, yeah. too, as well. Yeah. It's, it's a thing of... Uh, of it's, it's a thing of... Uh, in our zone defense mm -hmm. that we run. Right. You know, what, what makes the, a zone defense engine work is the pressure. Right. And that's why you know, a lot of people get get uh, you know sideways when when they hear coaches talking about I just want to move the quarterback right you know, I want to give just pressure on him exactly. and don't necessarily we get caught up in sacks a lot right but in his own defense if you can if you can get the the quarterback to be uncomfortable that's when you can start getting turnovers exactly that's when you make them throw off of rhythm exactly off their spot things like that what, and yeah. you know you need. To be able to to pressure and pressure from four guys mm -hmm. from all sides. Exactly when you when you're running that zone defense, them four guys need to be able to get there. Right. Yep. That's that's the the backbone yep. of of a zone defense. Yep. And and you have, in my opinion, a great secondary. Yeah. Yeah. I mean you. I mean you got Trufon coming back, mm -hmm. who's by the way back to working out of those. Yeah, days. and looking good. And looking good, yeah. which is great. So you got him signed to a deal. You got Alfer signed to yep. a deal. Mm -hmm. You got Jalen Collins still on his rookie deal. Yep. He played well when mm -hmm. pressed into service. Yep. I mean, yeah, he was picked on in the Super Bowl, but that was only because of lack, lack of experience. Right. That wasn't necessarily lack of talent. Yeah. So you got Jalen Collins. Then you got Brian Poole, yep. who was the best slot corner mm -hmm. last year. And Ricardo Allen. Which a lot of people like to try to bang on Ricardo Allen or down on Ricardo Allen, when in all reality, Ricardo Allen is a above average starter. Well, he's not the flashy type of free safety right. like Earl Thomas. And see, is. that's the thing. I think that's what people got caught up in. Yeah, is you know you had Dan Quinn come here from Seattle where you had an Earl Thomas. Right. But right. there's only one Earl Thomas in the NFL. Exactly. There's only one Eric Berry in the yeah, NFL. Exactly. Not every team has some. You know, stud, all-star, you know, all-world safety, free safety running right. back there. And Keon O'Neal, I believe his second year is going to be even oh, better dude. than he was the first year. Five forced fumbles. Dude is a head hunter. Man, between him and Big Beasley alone, 11 forced fumbles. Yes, sir. And I think that is something that's going to just continue on. Because you got more guys that can get the ball out of your hands. Yep. That's dangerous. Yeah. I mean, you oh, man, I, I have – you know, visions of, of grandeur just thinking about all of our defense on the field at the same time and helping. Man, and can you imagine the different type of packages defensive line-wise you're going to be able to put out there provided? Let's pray everybody stays healthy. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a big key. Yeah. That's a big key for, for you know, any team, any time. But I believe that's why you have as many linemen on the defensive side that you have. Right. As many guys who are versatile and interchangeable. Yes, and can play, just like you said, with the right. versatility that exactly. you want. And you're going to get matchups. And But I'm curious to see if Brian Young will be able to get something out of Rasheed Hagman. See, this this is a big year for Hagman. Yes. I mean, he's going into the last, last year of his rookie deal. Mm -hmm. He was a second-round pick and that hasn't necessarily lived up to the hype no. of a second-round pick. Now, mm -hmm. he's been – Decent at times, and he's been flashed. He's flashed at times. Yeah, yeah, 
Yes. But he hasn't had that consistency that you're looking for. Right. Out of a second round pick. My theory's always been that the first, second, and third round should be key contributors on yes. your team. Yes. Past the third round, if you get something out of your fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh rounders more than just depth, then you've 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 done good. Yeah. You know, yeah. you've almost like won the lottery in a sense. Yeah, pretty much. But you gotta hit it in that first, second, or third. Yeah, you gotta you gotta hit it. You know, because different teams prioritize different people, you know, differently. Not but you know, so you have a guy who has a potential first round talent may fall all the way to the third round. Right. Just depends on how the draft works out. Yeah. You know, yeah, so I, I feel like you can get starters in in the first, second, and third round for sure. So Hagman, this is a big, big year. Big for year, him. big year. Because he ain't got the ties to the coach because coach didn't draft it. Now I want to tell you two things: if the Falcons, in my mind, can get better at stopping defensively, mm-hmm. they're going to be hard to deal with on Sunday. Screen pass. Yeah. Because a lot of teams like to use that against them, especially New Orleans and Carolina Panthers, who do it a lot. Right. When they're aggressive up front. And you brought Kamal Ishmael, who seemed to be real good at that. Mm -hmm. Um, Dan Quinn showed the video on why he brought Kamal Ishmael back, and he showed him basically cutting down the yards on the running back from the Oakland Raiders. Okay. He was basically playing – Two rows uh, covering two different spots on the field uh, in case it was a pass and a run, and how he was able to react fast enough to get back to stop that running back from getting 10, 15, and 20 yards. Right. You can If you can manage to do that and to shut that run down, you're going to have that quarterback very scared on Sunday knowing he can't hide behind neither one of those two. Right. No, yeah, if, if you can, you know, it comes down to controlling the line of scrimmage. Mm hmm. And that's on both sides of the ball. So if you can run the ball, then you have a pretty good chance of success. Right. And if you can stop the run, mm-hmm. you have a pretty good chance of oh, of, yeah. of being consistently successful. Mm-hmm. And and I think Dan Quinn is is kind of funny, you know how success can skew things. You know, I felt like when we hired Dan Quinn that it was going to be a three year process before you saw. Right. What he really wanted to field on the defensive side right. of the ball. Yeah. Because of the the inconsistency of Mike Smith not knowing what kind of defense he wanted to run. You had a you had such a, a mixed bag or like a like a mixed can of nuts. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So there's a if you only like cashews and you got a mixed can of nuts, you gotta dig through all the other nuts <laughs> to get the cashews. People love to do that with Skittles and Starbursts all right, the time. Right, right, exactly. And so, you know, that's what Dan Quinn had to do. He had a mixed bag, he had an yeah. assorted bag, and he had to sift through all that and get the guys in here that he wanted. Yeah, he's done that. So I'm, I'm really interested to see what Dan Quinn's defense is going to look like in, in year three. Man, I, I feel good about it. I, I, I do too. I feel real good about it. And I, I can't imagine him putting Marquand Manuel out there to fail um, in that situation when he feels like now this defense at least has more pieces that can help Marquand be successful and possibly become a head coach one day in the NFL right. or at the college level. And, yeah, I feel like I feel like the switch from, from Richard Smith to Marquand Manuel was more of a synergy switch. Yes. You know, because yes. Marquand was out there in Seattle with him. Right. And yeah. 
It may have been a thing where when he first brought Marquand here, he may not have felt like he was ready yet. Right, and he probably told Marquand, just be patient right, and do time. With Come him. with me. Because remember now, uh, he, Dan Quinn wanted to bring Chris Richard, and Chris declined the offer to stay as the defensive coordinator in Seattle. I don't blame him. No. Because your last two coaches became head coaches. Right. Right. So you feel like, hey, I get my if chance. If I stay here, yeah. I'll get my chance. Yeah. And so, you know, he brought in, I think initially, he brought in Richard Smith because Richard Smith was a, a veteran, you know, defensive coordinator. Right. And he was a first-time head coach. Right. So sometimes when, you, when you're when you a first-time head coach, you want to surround yourself with seasoned guys. And the other thing, remember by Richard Smith that he brought him in. Remember when Richard got here, he said he looked at all the film and he saw that a lot of the players were playing with effort despite the way the season was going. Right. And I think that was another reason why he brought Richard Smith here was to help him identify the players to start building his defense. Right. And I, and I think, you know, part of the way through last season, the defense wasn't performing the way he wanted it to right. perform. Right. So, you know, after now you're a year in, the the shine has worn off of the idea that oh I'm the head coach right you know now it's like mm-hmm. okay this guy this is not performing like I thought it was going to perform yes and you know after that Chiefs game he took the he, Dan Quinn took over play calling yeah games, mm-hmm. and our defense got better now word was too that Marquon helped with the nickel packages right yeah. and so I think through that maturation process of Dan Quinn as a head coach then you also during that time, had a maturation of Marquand Manuel even more. Right. Yeah. So that felt like after the end of this season that it was he was ready to be moved into. Yeah. Which, mm-hmm. which, like you said, was probably you know potentially by design from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Like you know, buy you know, come with me, bide your time. I'll make you a you know a defensive coordinator. Yeah. Cause think about it now. When they fired Richard Smith, they wanted to offer him a consulting job. Right. See, that so, tells you right there really right. what they brought him in for. Exactly. Yeah. And, and it also tells you that, that yes, he fired him or relieved him of his duties, but he still had a ton of respect for exactly. him. Exactly. So it wasn't like a, you know, F you, get out of here. Right. Or, you know, kick it to right. the curb, kind of like Brian Cox. Mm, but well, you know, okay. anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but it was more of a, I want you around if you want to be around, right. but I don't want you around in this capacity anymore. Right, exactly. Which, I mean, if you're a defensive coordinator and somebody comes to you and says, I don't want you to be a defensive coordinator, you know, you might get some kind of way, you know, feel some kind of way about that. Well, you, you know, well, I mean, yeah, it's a pride so, thing. Man. Right, I don't blame it, Richard Smith pride. For, for being like, no, nah, I'm good. You know? but, but let's not kid ourselves. If you really study Richard Smith, you look at his days when he was the defensive coordinator of the Texans, their numbers were horrible. Right, right. Okay, and as someone said before, there's really, we really don't know how much Will Muschamp had an effect on that defense, even though he was the defensive coordinator of the Miami Dolphins when Dan Quinn was there. Right. And Nick Saban was there, how much he had uh, an impact on that defense behind the scenes, mm-hmm. especially being assistant head coach, right, with Nick Saban. So we really don't know. Exactly. No, you know, you're right. I think I, I think we have right. gone greatly around the world in 80 days. <laughs> I, think we, I think we might have run around. <laughs> well, uh, you, I, I think that's gonna do it for us, folks. We appreciate y'all hanging out with us, listening to us. 
ramble on about our team hey, about man. the league. And keep sharing, liking, commenting, please. We oh, love yeah. the comments and subscribing. Exactly. I mean that that gives us the not only the the fuel, the pats on the back to keep going, but also lets us know that you're enjoying it. Yes. And yes, we're doing it because we're fans and we enjoy it, but we also want y'all to enjoy it. Exactly. So, you know, the more y'all comment, the more y'all like, the more y'all subscribe, lets us know that that we're on to something and that y'all are enjoying what we're doing. Yeah. And that's definitely an important thing for us. So, in closing, we're going to let it go because me and JR, we can talk about the Falcons all day because that's what we do. That's right. Peace. We out.